You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my co-host, David Walker. This episode is brought to you by mybookie.ag. Use our promo code Locked On when you visit mybookie.ag and uh, they will match your first deposit up to 50%. So the Hornets lose to the Raptors 129-111. I was there to witness it. Just a couple of chairs down was our good friend Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer. He joins us now on the Locked On Hornets line. We're going to get right into it. Rick, uh, what did that game look like to you from, from your vantage point? Uh, Doug, I think you know that I'm not prone to exaggeration. And that felt like seven and 59. I mean, it was the, the, um, the crater last night just seemed massive. Uh, I was, uh, it, 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 it boggles my mind considering the, the stakes involved, considering that they all knew, um, how crucial, you know, uh, the, the seven, you know, the, the seven game span was where six of them were at home. And, um, you know, they've already lost three of those four games. Um, it seriously makes me wonder if this is not a um, a matter of any, you know, if this is a matter of as simple as they can't as matters as opposed to they aren't. That's very interesting. And and you, you mentioned seven and 59. I mean, the Hornets have been blown out before. What what made this one sort of feel different to you uh, than than some of those other blowouts? that I felt like they never punched back that I felt like, um, uh, you know, Doug NBA teams are full of professional athletes. And what I, that isn't just about how good they are. Um, that is often about, you know, you can see games where you can tell vividly that people, you know, that, that veteran players understand what's, you know, you know, what, what's at stake. And, I didn't see that last night. I, I saw, you know, that, that, that second quarter when they got out, scored 41 to 21. Um, it, it looked like a team that, you know, Mike Lupica has that great line um, about boxing and Mike Tyson that uh, everybody has a plan until they get hit. Well, that looked like a team that didn't know what to do after the the Raptors hit them with a haymaker. Um, I understand totally why Steve Clifford said what he did before training camp started, that he believes this to be the most talented roster he's coached here. The problem, you know, as, as we're looking at it right now, and I'd be curious about your thoughts about this, is this team, no matter what the pieces are, don't seem to be fitting together. Yeah, no, I, we've definitely talked a lot about that. It seems like it's taken them a lot longer than maybe they expected to integrate Dwight Howard uh, effectively into this offense. They've they've been discussing sort of how to make Dwight Howard successful and the rest of the offense successful at the same time. You've seen 
Dwight Howard's usage uh, reduce over the past couple of games while uh, you know others take on more responsibility. We, we had started to see uh, Rick, Nick Batum, take some more responsibility, had that season-high 23 against Portland, uh, was effective early on in that game against New York, didn't really need his offensive services late in that game. But in, in this one, in this one last night against Toronto, one shot attempt in 26 minutes is – is that acceptable? Doug, <laughs> it's mind-boggling. Um, I am I am very predisposed to not um, – I don't think players should be indicted for being overpaid. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. You know, Nick, Nick Batum did not make them sign him to a $120 million contract. But – when you when when a team has has let you know how essential you are to their future that they were willing to to make that kind of guarantee uh, i it it blows my mind that nick would only even attempt one shot in 26 minutes and i and i i'm curious what you think about when i asked steven the question uh, Stephen Silas um you know what he thought of that and it was the the look on steve's face when he said i don't know I don't know. I wish I had an answer. I mean, it's um. Yeah, actually, I actually have that a little like nuclear winter. <laughs> yeah, I actually have that audio and, and video to play if you're watching us on YouTube, YouTube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets or on Twitter. Let's play that uh, response uh, from Stephen Silas to that question. I don't know. I don't know. I wish I, I wish I had an answer for you, but he. Uh... Just didn't have it tonight, I guess. Uh, he played two good games up until this point. And then, um, you know, it seemed like he was really trying to find his teammates and uh, wasn't necessarily looking for himself quite as much. Um, and that's that. He had five assists and one turnover, but uh, only one shot attempt. So maybe I could have made a few more play calls for him. Um, but I'm not exactly sure. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I don't know about you, Rick, but it's not many times that I see a head coach, acting head coach, or anyone say that I'm not sure about something. It's not often that they don't, they don't have you know, at least some kind of, of response, and I don't think that speaks to, to Steven Silas. I think that speaks to the situation that the Hornets find themselves in where there are very few answers and, and a ton of questions at this point. Yes, and it also speaks to something that I'm, I'm actually going to write about for Thursday, um, that Stephen is in this incredibly awkward position, not of his making. Mm. Um, he's he's the substitute teacher, and it's when you know it, it isn't it wasn't for like you know the on Thursday and Friday of the, before Christmas. I mean, he's now been acting coach for ten. 10 games. And, and I really feel for him because I think that he is, I think he is doing a good job in a ridiculous situation. Um, it's, you know, I mean, what, what I'm saying is what Steven, um, could have blasted Nick last night, but I'm sure he said to himself, I'm not Steve Clifford. I don't, you know, I don't have that gravitas right now. I would have been very interested, and I'm curious what your thoughts were, 
if I had asked Steve Clifford that same question after what I saw, because I think we would have seen a vein popping in in, in Cliff's um, neck when that happened. And unfortunately, that might be the reason that he's been out of commission. Yeah, I, I think he, the the response definitely would have been uh, more impassioned, more direct, more direct, <laughs> more honest. And and honestly, you know, Steve Clifford has worked with, coached, uh, highly paid athletes, guys that were making the most money on the team, uh, guys that were expected to step up and perform every single night, and and you just didn't get that kind of performance from. Nick Batum uh, last night, unfortunately. All right, let's get David in here. David. Rick, I'm just curious. You mentioned Steve Clifford. Obviously, that makes a difference when the head coach is out. But do you think things would be drastically different even if Clifford was here? You mentioned before, maybe they just don't have the ability to kind of get over any of these humps. David, I don't know if it'd be different at all. I mean, it would be different, but I don't know if it would be significantly reflected on the bottom line. I mean, I don't, what I'm saying is I don't think that, um, I mean, I, I don't have the schedule in front of me, so I can't tell you precisely what their record is in the 10 games since Cliff had to take his, his medical leave of absence. But, um, I do not believe no matter what that record is, that it would be significantly different if Cliff had been coaching the team, because, uh, you know, the problem right now is not the chef. The problem is the ingredients. <laughs> right. And so I think fans and a lot of, all the times we want people to blame, is it, you know, is this group of Joe, Michael Jordan, Steve Clifford, have they, have they always been on the same page? Was there a similar vision? Did it just go awry? I mean, in, in your opinion, kind of what happened? Was there, there were good intentions, but the pieces just aren't fitting. So, I mean, what, you know, is it a faulty vision or is it execution? I think it's been very hard for them to figure out what they aspired to be from, um, you know, from touch point to touch point. Uh, I think they know that they need to be relevant. I think they know that um, it's very important that they make the playoffs because this is a town you know, this, this town, you know, in, in, in 1988 and 19, you know, 90, and like the first time they made the playoffs, this town had a love affair with, with that team. Like I don't, I've never, I've never covered before. Even when the Panthers went to the Super Bowl, I've never seen quite that same sort of, you know, really deep seated passion. This is a very different situation now. Uh, we're a very different city than we were then. The um, the, the the Panthers are are ten and four. You you know you don't need um, you don't need the Hornets to fill your your spare hours. And um, I've often said I'm. This is certainly not an original thought for me, but I'm never above. Uh, uh, stealing a good a good idea from somebody else. <laughs> it's it's not good when your fans are angry at you. It's dramatically worse if they if they stop caring what, about how you're doing. And I thought last Doug, did you find it interesting last night that they were only booed once? It 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 made me think are the people in the stands just sort of resolved to what's happened? 
Well, Rick, I thought it was interesting that they were booed only once, and then when Malik Monk uh, hit that three, it was his, his second basket off that steal. The, it was the loudest I've heard the crowd in, in several games, and, and that includes the win against New York. And, and I think there may be a little bit of um, a disconnect. Bronx cheer? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a, I think there might be a disconnect between what the, the Hornets want to do in terms of you know, making the playoffs and what it takes to make the playoffs and what fans that are coming to the arena night after night actually actually want to see happen. Um, yeah, and you know something, Doug? I you know, I, I wrote a I spent a lot of time overnight because I was writing it for online only, um, trying to trying to um assemble something about you know, what do they do next? And I, you know, I've got a column online right now that uses the word crater. And um, the, the, I think part of the problem that people don't understand, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not knocking fans for not being privy to this, but um, unwinding, you know, the expression in, in, uh, in um, the stock market is unwinding the trade. The way that guaranteed contracts work in the NBA right now unwinding what they have done would will would be incredibly incredibly difficult to do in the short run you can't you know um trading um dwight howard when he makes 24 million dollars some guaranteed trading nick batum when he makes 22 million dollars plus guaranteed at the trade deadline that's kind of that would be a very Difficult thing to do, number one, if your objective, number two, is to reduce, you know, forward payroll obligation and to get anything, you know, that would be equivalent to a baseball trade where you were getting three really interesting minor league prospects. That's not the way the NBA works. You can't just look up one day and go, well, this isn't working and become, you know, the baseball expression is become a seller. That's a whole lot harder to do the way the NBA works. All right, Rick Bennell, his column is online right now. Charlotte Hornets season has cratered. Just what is plan B? We will put a link in the show notes. Rick, thanks for joining us as always. It will be interesting to see uh, what path is next for the Charlotte Hornets. Absolutely. And you know some Doug, you've become a really smart voice on the Hornets. I'm glad that there are more different voices that are taking a really smart look at, at, at what's going on here. And I think you do a terrific job. Well, I'm humbled, Rick, and I appreciate it. And it's been fun working with you this season, and I look forward to continue to do so. See you guys. Merry Christmas. Thanks, Rick. All right, let's continue Absolutely. to dig into this game. Uh, David, uh, let's see, 129-111, the final score. Uh, actually, let's uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, then we're going to take some live chat. I know some people are on the live chat right now. I want to get some thoughts because I know a lot of you out there are frustrated. So quick bump. We'll be back, and we'll, t- we'll take some of your comments. This is Locked on Hornets. Our boys got to go Cobra Kai. We got to go 80s villain defense. Grow a goatee. Do the uh, gladiator stab him real quick in the ribs before Have an the Eastern game. European accent. Only on the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
At least the music's fun. At least the music's upbeat. I like that. Hey, hey, Doug, breathe that in. Take take breathe, take a second to breathe that in. You, you worked hard, and and now you're you're, I know. you're getting he, your time I'm, in the sunlight. Rick, I I loved Rick's uh, I loved Rick's compliment. It threw me off a little bit. I don't take compliments well, and it's it's because I'm just I'm always grinding, man. I always want to keep my nose to the grindstone. But to hear that uh, hear that from the the king of of Hornets covers, that was very nice. That was a very nice That's thing right, of, of him to say. I don't know if I deserve it. But it's a very nice thing. Oh, uh, you've been you've been leading the charge. You've uh, been leading the charge. David, bowl season is here. Let's not talk about basketball. Let's talk about bowl season. Bowl <laughs> season is here, and it's <laughs> and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. Are you sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout? I know I am. Sign up at mybookie.ag today and get paid fast when you win. MyBookie is your hookup for all of your betting needs, and you can even deposit using Bitcoin, but not that fake Bitcoin that that guy tried to sell in New York City. I don't know if you saw that. The Chuck E. Cheese coins, those are not Chuck E. Cheese coins, not accepted by MyBookie. Don't try it. You got to play where the pros play on MyBookie.ag. You can play the money line, side, or total. It's all there. Where you're betting is just as important as who you are betting on. And if you want to make money betting the bowl games, you got to go to mybookie.ag. They are the only site that we recommend here on Locked On Hornets. They have odds on every matchup as well as in-game live betting on all seasons, NFL, MLB, NBA, and bowl games. And they have a new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit with a with a 50% bonus but you have to use our promo code locked on to activate that offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, back to this game. 129-111, the final score. Uh, there were a few uh, good performances. I-, I thought, you know, Jeremy Lamb, obviously career high, uh, 32 yeah. points, shot the ball very well. A little bit wasted, unfortunately, on this night. And Lamb said after the game, it didn't mean all that much because they did not win the basketball game. Uh, but it's nice. You know, he's been sort of struggling with his game a little bit. It's it's all been, David, I think, a question this season of consistency, especially at that wing position, but at other positions as well. Uh, Steven Silas, after the game, addressing that issue of consistency. And that's obviously in an 82-game season, that's an um, important word. And for us, it's going to be consistency on the defensive end, consistency individually with your production, and uh, consistency from quarter to quarter, week to week, and uh, month to month. And uh, we didn't play the way that we had been playing defensively for the last couple of games tonight. And uh, we have to do better. All right, that's Steven Silas there. Uh, David L. on the chat says, this team desperately lacks wing consistency. I'm ready to trade all of them except Lamb. Let him start and see what happens. So uh, David L., one of the the voices out there that says uh, that plan B, plan B should be to trade everyone. Get them all out of here. And I know that's the call for it, but you just heard what Rick said. It's going to be tough to unwind what they've done, right? I mean, so that's part of the challenge here, but um, right. I mean, what was your take on that, Doug? Reflect back on what, what Rick said a little bit. Cause I mean, it, it's starting to get to that point where they're going to have to figure out something to do. Um, we're almost at the end of December, amazingly enough, but trading everyone doesn't feel like it's possible. No, it doesn't. I mean, because again, you have to find a willing trade partner and what I think what would be worse is, is trading someone and getting far below market value. Because then right. you're you're setting that precedent that 
that you can be had. And it sends a message to fans that, you know, we, we, we were, we were completely wrong on, on player X and now we're just, we're just shedding payroll at this point. Yeah. And, and that's not a great message to send to fans. That's sort of the Marlins, you know, message of what they're doing to their fans right now. And uh, I'm a big fan of the Dan Levitard show and he was, he, he's not been very happy uh, with, with that policy. Uh, but at the same time, that's a situation where they were trading an MVP and an all-star. And right now uh, the Hornets uh, don't have anyone close to that level of play. Want to talk about Nick Batum. <laughs> Want to dig into this. Uh, Nick Batum attempts one shot, five assists, was a ghost, was asleep, was in a coma. I don't know, David, what was going on there with Nick Batum, one attempt. To I me, mean, I use the word acceptable. To me, it's unacceptable. You can't explain it, Doug. And this is less than a week after he you know, called out, not called out some of the guys, but had some things to say. He and Dwight Howard were outspoken on yeah. the play and the reaction and the body language mm-hmm. of this team. And I, I appreciate that from him. I think he is trying to be a leader in that sense. But at some point, you know, it, it falls on deaf ears if you put up one, one shot and you have no impact on the game and you're a minus 18. Shockingly, not the worst plus minus of the game. But, yeah, I mean, he's got to – but, Doug, I mean, what else can we say right now is that he is not that guy. He's become – well, they, what we can say is that you and I have been very quick to defend Nick Batum – over yeah. over his tenure because he he made Kimball Walker a, a very very good player by taking some attention away in that first season he was a big shot taker and a big shot maker at end of games he would defer early on and then step up to the plate when it mattered most that was sort of his his calling card in that first season and so after they gave him that big contract our argument always was that the market dictated how much Nick Batum was worth. Someone right. was going to pay. He was going to meet with the Dallas Mavericks, and the Dallas Mavericks were probably going to pay him that money. And the Hornets decided, no, he's made this team better. We're going to pay him that money. But he's now becoming harder and harder to defend. Obviously, he had the elbow issue, and and he told Rick Bennell that that it was affecting him. He told Fox uh, Sports that uh, Fox Sports Southeast that he questioned every day whether he had come back too early. But that that sleeve is off. I mean, you have to assume he's healthy, and if he's not healthy, then he needs to sit. And I feel the same way about Kimball Walker too. If Kimball Walker's wrist is not healthy enough for him to shoot better than he's been shooting over the past couple of games, then honestly, let's look to the future. And and I think. If you're looking towards the future, then you sit these veterans, let them get 100% healthy, and and live with whatever record you end up with, and then move forward with a healthy set of veterans, and and maybe try to move one, two contracts at most, yep. and try to and and free up some cash for the next offseason and try to work around the margins. The problem with this season is that they didn't have enough flexibility last offseason. To, to make the depth adjustments that they needed to make in order to be competitive. You have this uh, a comment here on the chat from Amber saying, is our roster a case of square pegs? Why doesn't it fit? It, it doesn't fit because, A, you have no wing depth, you have no point guard depth, and the, yeah. the second reason it doesn't fit is because, and I'm sorry I'm going on a long rant, David. I'll let you jump in in one second, but no, I have no, to no. say this. It's cold. The reason it doesn't fit is because there is a lack of two-way play. Look at what happened last night in the Miami Heat-Boston Celtics game. You have a Miami Heat team 
that was without Hassan Whiteside, Goran Dragic, the two best players, Justice Winslow, and James Johnson. Two other key rotation pieces for them. They beat the Boston Celtics. The Hornets are without Cody Zeller and Travion Graham, and they lose handily to the Toronto Raptors. And I think it's because Miami spent time collecting players that could shoot threes and make energy plays on the defensive end. The Hornets have players that can either do one or the other and then have nights where they can do neither. Right. And and it's funny they, they did that against the Boston Celtics because I always point to Boston as the team that did that first. They kind of collected all these guys and smart and, um, and, and brown and young guys that can defend multiple positions, hit an open shot when given the chance. And yeah, the Hornets just don't have enough of that player right now. Um, and that's, that's what, that's what is in vogue in the NBA. And, and it's hard to win without that, especially when you don't have a superstar, especially when your number two guy shoots one shot a night. And so they don't have a lot of the good pieces right now that they need. Um, and, but Doug, they also tried to address that the only way they could last year in the draft. And, and not that Malik Monk is a, is a, is a legitimate two way player right now. Certainly not on defense. He's not the scoring yes. was there. Right. But, uh, and the scoring uh, hasn't been there for him either. He's been, he's been, been a, listen, 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 Malik Monk has been a rookie. Yeah, like, right, rookie, right, but, you don't right. expect rookies to be Donovan Mitchell. Hell, no, you, you don't no. expect rookies to be OG Ananobi. Right, but that's that's the style that's coming in, and you see it in, in Bacon. I mean, he is that type of player, but they didn't have anywhere else to add that, right? So they had to add it through the draft, and those guys aren't playing. So they're not bringing anything else to the table, and you know they're stuck with what they are. And it's very hard to work themselves out of that. And then it's doubly frustrating when you see OG – hit what six of seven from three last night so uh yeah they're they're in a real they're in a real bad place right now well let, listen the the defense was the reason they lost the basketball game last night it wasn't yes. offense. as much as we wanted nick batum to take more shots offense wasn't the reason they lost the basketball game it was because uh they were paying a lot of attention to demar Derozan and the second help like you had you had Dwight Howard step up as the help defender to to uh, cut off drives by Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, and that second help did not come on Serge Ibaka, and that allowed Ibaka to get free. Jeez. And then late later on in the game, they were able to you know basically pass around the perimeter and pull defenders towards the DeRozan or Lowry and free up Ananobi. And all of it to me, all that's on Jeremy Lamb again. As good of I think if you would have heard if Steve Clifford would have been at the podium last night, you would have heard the classic Clifford on Lamb, which is played well offensively, left, but he left Ananobi open several times in that corner spot from three because he was too aggressive on defense. Again, you don't need Lamb standing beside Dwight Howard in the paint. Like if that's happening, look at the stats. They knew the stats coming in. Ananobi was 43% from three coming into this game on 2.8 right. attempts. He takes them, and may, that's like the one thing that he does, play, or two things, play defense and then knock down corner threes. And, and Lamb standing out of position several times, allowing him to get going. It's unacceptable. And, and that's, where, that's where you hear inconsistency. Steven Silas, inconsistency. It's been inconsistency on the defensive end night to night against Portland, against Miami, against New York. They play great defense. 
then you come into this game, you need it, it's an important game, it's against a good opponent with a lot of offensive pieces, and your defense falls asleep. Yeah, and and the Raptors are a much better team than the Hornets, make no mistake about it, but they're not 41 points in the second quarter and a blowout win at home when the Hornets' backs are against the wall better. You know what I mean? Like, that's an inexcusable loss to have. Like Rick said, when they ha- when they, they need all these wins, they're at home. They're coming off a win uh, against the Knicks, so they should have some momentum. But this is exactly what we were afraid of, the lack of consistency. And it's that's who this team is right now. I, I don't know how they work themselves out of this. Steven Silas is obviously frustrated and looking for answers. But I don't see any coming, Doug. I mean, I hate to be hate to be a downer here. Oh, David um, Downer. I hate to be a downer. I hate to be a downer. You're right. You are Debbie but, Downer. Uh you well, listen, me, you if you're me, if you're a David Downer, I'm uh let's see, what's Dougie uh downer. no, I'm not I'm not Doug Downer. I'm, Doug. I'm front no, I you are channeling the desperation. I am channeling the frustration. Ugh. But but frustrated Doug, that's there's no there's no uh, alliteration there. But yeah, I'm channeling the 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 frustration with what has been several years of uh, mistakes on draft night, which which I'm. It's tough, man. When you don't draft well year after year, it it eventually mm-hmm. it eventually sneaks up on you. And I th- I still think Monk and Bacon are going to turn out to be really really good players. It's just they needed them to be good players immediately because of how much money they had tied up into the rest of the roster, but. Uh, Daniel on the chat saying not properly addressing the backup point guard two years in a yep. row has been haphazard. It hasn't been haphazard, Daniel. It has been malpractice. It has been try, basketball malpractice. Try every year outside of one Jeremy Lin year. I mean, that's that's the reality. And, and certainly since he's left, they haven't addressed it. And we've mentioned how difficult it was to address that this offseason. And the choices were not great, but the route they took has not worked out and is rough to watch. And he's exactly right. You say bruff? That is mouthfeet. Say bruff? Was it? Did you say bruff to watch? Like rough. brutally rough? Brutally rough. It sounded like you said bruff. <laughs> brutally rough. Brugly, brugly, bruff. <laughs> call it whatever you want. But yeah, you're exactly right. We've said that before. I mean, that's, uh, you know, someone has to be held accountable for that, unfortunately, because that's inexcusable. I mean, that level of backup point guard play. To go into the offense, to go in out of the offseason with basically a G League stable and Michael Carter Williams, I mean that's ridiculous. And you never you, and you you don't see Julian Stone except in in uh, in garbage time. Wasn't Chal- was Chalmers not out there in the Chalmers in the was out around? there. Uh, Chalmers. Uh, what? Oh, Canon. Uh, I think is uh, Isaiah Cannon. 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 Cannons to the left of me. Cannons <laughs> to the right. It was right there for us. We I think so he's playing well. That. I, I I feel like I've heard I've seen him on NBA Reddit. I feel like his name is. How about up. How about Tyreek Evans, Doug? I mean, it was a weird pick at the time, but he's playing. Where did he well. end up? I think um, Tyreek ended up getting paid more than the Hornets would have. Uh, Tyreek is he in um, Memphis as well? No. Yeah, Tyreek's in Memphis. He was one of their big bench players. That's where Chalmers is. <laughs> yeah, so Memphis just sucked it all up. But they, I think they had money. That was the point. They had money. They had money to spend. And the Hornets did not. It put him in a tough position, like uh, the the one guy that I wanted. Um, of course, it's it's all escaping me now. Um, Cole, uh, Shelvin Cole. Mack. Shelvin Mack was Mack, the was the yeah. player that I wanted, but they they didn't have the money. Shelvin Mack ended up look, making Darren more. Darren Williams. Darren Williams was out there. Okay, I mean, look, okay. Now we're going too far. Now we've gone too far. I don't think we've I don't gone think too far. I don't think we can go too far. 
Okay. Um, so I, I do want to address a couple more things. Um, Kyle Lowry's foul on Michael Kidd Gilchrist uh, fast break. It hurts uh, MKG's right shoulder again. Another shoulder injury that we're that we're possibly looking at. We'll have to. He did come back into the game. It was a, a right shoulder strain, and uh, he did return to the game. So we'll have to see if there are any lingering effects as they head uh, to Milwaukee for Friday's game. Um, but is that a fair or a foul foul there by Kyle Lowry? It felt like I don't. I don't think you. I don't on the replay, Doug. I don't think he meant to go in there and hurt him. Obviously, I think it was just you know. They were MKG up twenty though. Like, hey man, hey, hey chill, hey, hey, hey. You, you've killed, hey. you killed them. You play, like you don't need you play to to win the game. Um, no, I think uh, he was just challenging the shot. You know, MKG gets in some weird positions. Like he gets his, especially his arms, as we've seen, <laughs> especially when he's shooting, even that close to the basket. So he was just kind of crumpled. And Lowry came down on top of him. I don't think it was anything intentional, but um, that brings me. But let me ask you this: uh, MKG, you know, the injuries are not going to stop. I don't feel like. I feel like it's going to be a theme. But I feel like point, I feel like when I'm walking to the arena, I'm going to trip and fall and tear an ACL. Geez. But look, look, let's be reality. They're down there in the dumps of the standings. I mean, the tanking. Eleven and twenty. By the way, let, I forgot yeah. to. I meant to answer the question that. Uh, Rick Bennell posed the the uh, they are three and seven since yeah. Stephen Silas took over. We could certainly count the wins on on one hand, but mm-hmm. you know they're getting to that point where look, if you're going to be that close to the bottom, if you're going to throw your your name into the hat of the top three, you know lottery teams, when do you start sitting some of these guys? January. I mean, if the injuries start to pop, I mean they can't just sit people for no reason, but. I mean, it's getting desperately close to that. I honestly, I mean, again, Kimball Walker has has said that he's playing through this wrist injury. He's got it in this like black uh, uh, brace type of deal when he's Mm -hmm. when he's off the court, and and he's got it. uh, Sometimes he has that like white wrap around the hand, and sometimes he's just got that um, uh, brace, but he keeps changing it, and that's what that's what's weird to me is that it keeps changing between the the black wristband that he has on it and the white tape. And it's like, to me, there's, there's, there's something uncomfortable. There's something wrong that, and, and I don't feel like otherwise, because if, if you don't think, if you buy what Kemba is selling, that, that he's going to shoot better, that it hasn't, it's not the wrist that he's, that he's playing through it, that it's nagging him, but it's fine. If you buy that, then, then you have to think that there's some kind of, really bad regression in his ability to shoot three-pointers, which I don't think that's the case. I think no. his three-point shooting is fine. I think his wrist is not fine, his left wrist. It's not a shooting hand, but it's the balance hand. You know, shooters are they're creatures of habit, and when, when the habit gets altered just a little bit, that's that can be tough well, on a shooter. I so I, I'm, yeah, I I'm mean, saying I'm rest him, rest him, right. get healthy. Rest him, and that will result in likely some more losses because i'm not and we can have the tanking discussion at some point maybe we'll do it for christmas maybe we'll open our presents love it about yeah let's uh, celebrate but, the christmas spirit with but, but look doug it, you're right there i mean you're being handed this opportunity to you know improve your draft position i can't we were talking about that in december but what the hell else are they going to do at this point i think they've got to look at those options they can't trade off every piece right now and automatically make it better but for his health i mean we haven't even talked about it from that standpoint right i mean kemba's long-term health 
I don't think it's a long-term thing, but it's not really doing them a whole lot of good right now. Well, it's not even about the draft. It's about at some point, and I think this is what Rick is starting to touch on with his column, at some point, you have to look at this situation and go, okay, we have these two rookies in Malik Monk and Dwayne Bacon. We we don't want to trade them. We feel like they could be future pieces. Well, they've got to get the time. Yeah, they, they've got to get they've got to get on the court, and and you know if at so, what at what point do you look at the season and go okay we weren't playing Monk and we weren't playing Bacon because they didn't give us the best chance to win well that's not the priority anymore, and I don't right. know if we're at that point yet but I'll say this David and I, I think we should unless you have something very important to say I think we should close with this okay the no, past I, <laughs> I gotta just prepare myself these past few weeks have felt like the end of a heavyweight fight. You lose four in a row, and then you beat Orlando. You get up, seven count. Then you lose three more, and then you beat Oklahoma City handily with three future Hall of Famers, and you you get up after an eight count. You lose three more. You get knocked down again, and then you beat the New York Knicks, a, a playoff, an Eastern Conference playoff team right now. They didn't have their best player. But Michael Beasley was playing well. You beat them. You get up from a nine count. But David, this one felt like a knockout blow. This does not feel like something that this team right now, without their head coach, Steven Silas said it's a hole in their culture without Steve Clifford. This just doesn't feel like a hit that they can get back up from. Yeah, they, unfortunately, they got to keep going out there, Doug. And I told you I wasn't going to say anything else, but uh, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, that's the other element. You know, if Clippers not going to come back, if they can't get these guys healthy, they've got to start look towards the future. All right, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll be here with you every day talking about the present, talking about the future, and we'll probably talk about the past as well. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star review. It helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. I'm going to tell you right now, I've not been feeling well this week, so I'm putting the chances of a Friday show at at maybe 50-50 at this point because I've got to get healthy. I I think I need to sit for a few. we got to sit you. we got to sit you. I think so. I've not been feeling very well. And we've we've committed to all of our sponsor obligations for this week. So I may take a little early Christmas holiday. (laughs) So if if we don't see you again, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for your support of this show. It's really meant a lot to us as we continue to work hard to cover this team that I think has a future. I don't know what that future is quite yet, but they have a future. When you got a guy in Malik Monk who can do what he do and li- do what he did last night and light the crowd up, you've got a future. You just got to figure out exactly how you're going to get there, and that's what we'll, we will be covering every day for you here on Locked On Hornets. So happy holidays! Uh, probably see you again on Tuesday because we'll, uh, Monday we'll we'll take Monday off for the holiday, and then we'll be back here on Tuesday to recap everything that has happened since then. Thanks so much for uh, watching and listening. For David. I'm Doug. Thanks again to Rick Bunnell from the Charlotte Observer for joining us. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.